the US is the richest country of the world. And in that richest country, right, you have a third world country sitting there, right? Which is approximately four. I want everybody who's listening to register what Sabina just said. Within the first world country, the superpower of superpowers, there exists a third world country. Welcome to Insert Human. I'm Chris Colbert. As the former managing director of the Harvard Innovation Lab, I realized many things. And one of the things I realized is that the pace of technology-driven change is faster, far faster, than most organizations and most people's ability to change. That gap equals risk, vulnerability, and eventually long-term viability. And it's a particularly troubling gap in the three sectors that underpin modern society, banking, education, and healthcare. It's the biggest existential threat they have, and by extension, we have. Closing the gap requires transformation, and transformation requires a much better understanding of ourselves, because at the end of the day, all transformation is human transformation. That's why I created Insert Human, a weekly conversation with brilliant people about better understanding us, and in doing so, shrinking the gap and increasing the chances of a better outcome for all. Before we dive in today's episode, an offer to all the listeners who are leading some sort of transformation effort. I've learned that the key to a successful transformation, organizations big or small, begins with adopting seven critical habits. And while most of the leaders I've met have nailed some, rarely have I seen any honed to an innate, really effective level. To find out how you're doing with the seven habits, you can get my guide, The Seven Habits of Highly Transformative Leaders at chriscolbert.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of the Insert Human listeners around the world. Welcome to another episode and another great interview with another brilliant person trying to make the world a little better. With me is Sabina Batia. Uh, Sabina was introduced to me several weeks ago. She is uh, a C-suite leader, uh, customer champion. Uh, she comes from the belly of the beast, uh, Wall Street, uh, and has learned a lot about um, about the world of finance, the world of economics, and the world of people trying to trying to make a living. Today, she is the chief customer office officer at PayActive, and I love this. She's a daily advocate and amplifier for the needs of thousands of corporate clients, and as importantly, maybe more importantly, millions of lower income workers. And we're going to talk, I think, a bit about those lower income workers and how her company PayActive and others are trying to support support them in, in their life. So Sabina, welcome welcome to Insert Human. Thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, chat with me today. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Excited to be here. And I must say, belly of the beast. <laughs> it That's was the, the first time I heard that about Wall Street. I love it. I don't it know is... if I love it or hate it, but I yeah, love yeah, yeah. it. I'm it's so good. proud of being part of it. <laughs> But we'll talk. We'll probably talk a little bit about that too. So I, I wanted to um, to start by. Uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier that I just finished writing my book, "Technology Is Dead," and my poor listeners have heard about my book probably too many times over the last year or two. Um, but I'm really thrilled that it is finished. And and the reason why I bring it up is because part of the book c- covers 
the topic of it, it's sort of a a bucket of of topics that were related to each other conscious capitalism esg purpose driven b corp this apparently growing movement within the corporate world to do more than deliver shareholder value to 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 potentially be more broad-minded more purposeful do dare i say more caring <laughs> i don't know that's a pretty radical statement but I'd love to get your two cents on what's going on there. Why is it happening? What are the what's B Corp versus purpose driven? Are they related? Are they different? Like just and 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 ultimately we'll talk about pay active because it was started as a consciously capital capital conscious capitalistic organization. Why the founders did that? But that's a that's a that's a lot to, to process, but let's give it a shot. Sure. Uh, great question. And uh, something that we are asked repeatedly, the whole idea behind conscious capitalism, the whole idea behind B Corp, why did Preactive decide to do it? What is going on there? And, you know, we can go over definitions, uh, you know, like conscious capitalism. We believe that business is good because it creates value. According to us, business is good. So it creates value and it must create value. Right. So the power that organizations have, you know, it is driven by that purpose and it is driven by the value that you create in a more of a trifecta impact. I see it as a trifecta impact and we use our technology for that trifecta impact. So what what is comprised of that trifecta? We take care of our users. If you take care of your users, it takes care of the impact that we can make in communities and who benefits from it, businesses. But it has to start from your people, from your employees. Mm -hmm. So that's where we fall when it comes to conscious capitalism. And, uh, you know, that is really a compass that we want to make an impact and we are a purposeful organization to change the lives of those 63, 60, 60, 70 million Americans living paycheck to paycheck, the low wage workers, but are in the front line of industries that you and I, you know, touch every day. And, mm -hmm. you know, we'll go more into that. So that is where we lie with the whole idea of conscious capitalism. Now, because- Can I, can I uh, interject? Can you re reiterate trifecta, meaning three, three, three audiences, three beneficiaries, and the yeah. three are employees, users, and companies or businesses? Is that right? Am I-, am so I so employees are our users. Yeah. So that is one part of the trifecta. Mm -hmm. If you make a difference in their life, you will impact the community as a whole. Yeah. But who benefits from that? Businesses also benefit from it. But I cannot okay. start from the business. I need to start from their people. Right. And, you know, which, you know, through the pandemic, businesses are recognizing that even more and more. I need to take care of my people first. It Wait, needs to people? start from there. Wait, you yes. said <laughs> people? People. <laughs> people. So it's, it's, we say people versus employees versus users versus associates. These right. are my people who 
touch my clients every day. So Chris, you and I are going to walk into a Safeway or a ShopRite or a Whole Foods or a Target at some point today or this week to grab groceries or whatever it might be. You go and pay for whatever you bought. That person who checks you out is the people we want to make an impact in their life. And how we make an impact in their life is really to get rid of the financial stress that they come to work with. So that has really become our purpose. And we feel like if we cater to those 60, 70 million Americans, low wage workers in the front line of the industries, touching you and me, their client every day, we can make an impact on communities, the better community, you know, more financially stable and the business will benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, higher engagement, uh, easier to recruit, better, be- better benefits across the board. All that comes from there. But you have to impact the people first. Right. Right. So so is that. Is that c- conscious capitalism, if you sort of break that apart the what is it what is the consciousness conscious of a of a higher purpose conscious of um you know what what is that what is, what do you think that's attached to like what is the what is why why that word why does the industry use that word i mean I I, there's no right i'm not sure there's a right answer to that i'm just curious what your answer would be i think it is the recognition of the state of the world of the sign of times mm-hmm. it is the richest the U.S. is the richest country of the world. And in that richest country, right, you have a third world country sitting there, right, which is approximately four. I want everybody who's listening to register what Sabina just said. Within the first world country, the superpower of superpowers, there exists a third world country. That is heavy. Okay, keep going. You know, you coming from um, Harvard, right? Um, The Harvard Business Review actually just uh, published a report. And the number is specific. 44% of American workers are employed in low wage jobs at the front line of industries with the median age, uh, medium wage of less than $39,000. So they're making less than $20 an hour. How can you ignore that community? Now, what is even more important is how you and I understood the essential workforce before the pandemic Mm -hmm. and how we understand it today. Mm -hmm. It's a little different, right? The, The guy and girl who come and drop off my Amazon package right? The person who checks me out at uh, uh, Safeway, the person who serves me my coffee in Starbucks, the person who gives me my COVID vaccine at CVS, these are all essential workers. Why? Because they are the ones who helped us run the economy during the pandemic. Could you have survived without them? No way. You could not have. So how can you ignore them? Right. So when you when it comes to purpose, right, and you know, the purpose of our organization, you know, hasn't changed, but it keeps growing and becoming become and has become more relevant, that we want to serve them because this community of workers 
are helping us build our economy, they should participate in the growth of the economy too, right? They should not Absolutely. be victims, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, very personally, and I haven't really connected the dots until you just said what you said. I have had a, a palpable, um, somewhere between appreciation and sadness for all the roles that you just mentioned. That in my daily life, you know, when I interact with the Amazon delivery person or the person behind the counter at, or whatever, and it, it may be sadness is, is, is inappropriate, but there's a, there's a sense of, I guess, honestly, unfairness that here I am galloping, gallivanting around and not particularly worried about paying, you know, my rent or anything else. And, and yet there's this entire group of people that are just doing really laborious jobs and not getting compensated sufficiently. I mean, you know, I live in Boston, which is the, the cost of living in Boston is absurd. You know, a, a, a one bedroom apartment in this town rent is like $2,2400. So 2400 times 12, uh, I think is close to what you said that most the 44% of the people make. So they don't have any money for food. So how does that work? You know, so, yeah. Um, and it also, I think the other thing that you've said that was really interesting to me is I, I think his, this purpose, you know, you read a lot about purpose-driven companies and the business roundtable came out a couple of years ago. It's like, hey, we need to be more purpose-driven. But I think the natural translation by people of purpose-driven is purpose as it relates to environment, sustainability, you know, ESG governance stuff. I don't know that most people translate purpose into, are we doing the best we can to, to support the people who work for us that are minimum wage or lower wage to support the people in our community that are that? Like, I, it's just interesting how pay active or, and you have looked at purpose through the lens of a particular population, which is a significant population, an underserved population, and how, you know what do we do as a society or as a company to better better support them? So I think that's just that's that's also, I guess for me really a a, a great um, kind of clarification that it's not always macro purpose. Like how do we save the world? It can be how do we better support the people within our within our own country, our own society? Well, I'll tell you, I get this question a lot that. You know, I spent more than 20 years as a hedge fund analyst on Wall Street, serving institutional investors, right? Uh, serving um, big banks, uh, right? And today I'm serving, um, you know, the hourly workforce. Like, where is the connection? And I'll tell you where the connection is. I was part of the 2008-2009 crises also. And I was in New York then, I'm free from Boston, I'm from New York. So getting a one bedroom apartment for $2,500 in New York, I don't know where you would find that. Right. You're probably paying 3000 plus, right? right? right. So, uh, you know, during the crisis, I saw some of the largest banks getting bailed out, right? By us, right? And now how do I connect that 
to the community I serve today. That same community that has you know, an hourly rate of less than $20 an hour, because of the lack of liquidity that they have between pay periods, they are paying $35, $40 in overdraft fees. And mm. if you actually add up overdraft fees, payday loan fees, you know, disconnect fees, reconnect fees, you know, all those fees put together every year, it's close to $250 billion that yeah. go in fees because of the lack of liquidity. Think about the money that is being wasted, yeah. right? And Chris, you and I are not paying those overdraft fees. No, we're not. Fees, right? No, 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 no. You know, and even if you and I are a penny short or a second late, We'll call our bank and say, hey, can you excuse me? They'll see that, you know, we have liquidity in the bank. No worries, Chris. We'll let go of, go of the overdraft fee this time. But when you're making $20 an hour, right, and you have to wait for two weeks to get access to your liquidity to pay for food and shelter, right, right? those are the fees that you get exposed to. It reminds me of years ago, but back in the late 90s, I ran a company here in Boston. We had not big, 300 people. And we got into this whole, and we, we acquired another company and we got into this whole debate about benefits. And um, I, I, I was pushing for that the people that made the least got the most benefits. So I was like, the, the parking, free parking should go to the people that don't have make any money. Why does free parking, like, why do the executives get a parking spot? They're, they're the ones that actually can afford it, you know, <laughs> but, but I think our, you know, the hierarchy of life has made it. So you, you get more when you get further up to the top and, you know, it's, it's counter, counter moral or something. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, I, I, I say it as it's very expensive to be poor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really how it is. Uh, the less you make, the more expensive it is for you to survive. Right. So, see, you know, when you talk about stories and you talk about numbers, right, that's what people remember. That's what people tend to believe. Right. Is it cheaper for me to walk into a Costco and buy, you know, 10 gallons of milk? And if you actually see the price per unit versus, Someone saying, I can't afford to pay $65 a year for the Costco membership. I cannot afford to go and buy bulk right. of you know, gallons of milk from Costco, right. but I can pay $7 for half a gallon of milk you know, at uh, you know, yeah. this mom and pop shop. But I actually pay three times the amount I should have, right? Right, because I can't afford to pay the $65, $65 membership or buy in bulk. Right. Essentially, it's very expensive for me to be poor. I have to pay yeah. so much more for things that could be a lot cheaper, you know, for you right. and me. Yeah, I mean, it's built, I'm thinking of Amazon Prime, right? $85 a, a, a year in order to get free delivery. And if you can't afford the 85 bucks, you're not getting the free delivery. You know. Well, and with that also comes, if you don't have a card sitting inside of Amazon, how will you even pay for things for Amazon? You need a card that'll, that has cash in it. Right? right to even right. pay for an Amazon thing, so you know it, it, just, it just escalates yeah. to so many other problems. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk a little bit? I want to talk a little bit about this this concept of 
earned wage access and, and connect it to the work that PayActive is doing more, more sort of functionally. Uh, and maybe start with just for the audience, two seconds on what PayActive actually does, like how, you know, the business that PayActive is in. Sure. So uh, PayActive invented uh, the earned wage access uh, category. And the purpose was, we go back to purpose, to free the American worker from the two-week pay cycle, right? So that is really important to understand what we are trying to get rid of is the pain that comes from that two-week pay cycle. So, um, you know, going back to a story, think about the hourly worker that comes into work in the morning, they clock in, they work a certain number of hours, and then they clock out. So they've earned those hours. Mm -hmm. Do they get paid for those hours? No, they have to wait for two weeks to get paid, right? Now, do their bills and emergencies and their basic expenses just for livelihood purposes fall every two weeks? No, no, they fall between pay periods. Mm. So if I'm making less than $20 an hour, I'm putting in my work every day. So I do have earned hours every day, right? But I have to wait for two weeks to get paid while all these expenses and costs and emergencies are coming through. And that cost could just be for paying for gas to show up at work. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the basic for me to actually earn a living. I have to spend money to get to work to earn a living. Mm -hmm. So so they have to wait for two weeks to get paid. Now, that causes a lot of stress, uh, you know, absenteeism, you know, just not showing up at work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a very chaotic life. Mm -hmm. Right. So one, they should not have to wait if you've earned it and you need it, you should be able to access it. But the employers are having the same problem. They're saying, we want to help them, but how do we help them? Because we have to go by that two-week pay cycle. That is exactly when PayActive comes in to help both the worker, their people, and the business solve the problem. So what we do is we give the employees access to a percentage of the hours that have already been worked. So it's not a loan, it's no kind of debt, nothing. It's the hours they've already worked. It is no cost to the business. And when payroll is processed and employee has other deductions, whatever the employee access from PayActive comes back to us. The result of this is, the result of this technology solution really is that you have a happier employee, they are more attentive at work, they take care of their business, they love their employer, and for the employer, they use us as both a recruitment and a retention tool. Hmm. But, you know, enough about me talking about us. We actually recently ran a survey uh, that went through 2 million plus users of ours. And here are the results, Chris, you're going to love it. 95% of our hourly workers are interested in working for an employer who provides earned wage access. Number two, 89% were willing to work a longer period. So, you know, grab an extra shift, work longer hours 
if their employer offered earned wage access. Three, and not the uh, uh, last one, 79% would be willing to switch to an employer who offered earned wage access, wow. right? The numbers are there. Right. You cannot ignore it. Going back to, you know, the number I gave you from the Harvard Business Review, 44% right. of our labor force is there to be catered to, to be, we need to be caring, right? So that's the word you used, caring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I want, there's so much in there that I want to unpack with you, uh, but I want to go, I want to actually go to a slightly, well, it's, it's related, but different. Do you know the, the genesis of the biweekly pay period? Like what was the, was the lodge? I assume in the decades ago that people were paid daily and then at some point there was a decision that it was more of cost efficient on the part of the employer to not pay people daily. And it was, you know, lots of labor, lots of calculating, whatever. And we would move this to a biweekly. Is, is that, I, I, maybe you don't know. I, I'm just curious, what was the motivating force to, 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 and the presumption in that was people could, did have enough savings that they could weather a two-week period until they got the, to the next payday? It's a combination of a few things, right? One is just lack of technology, right? right. Uh, lack of resources, like how do I accommodate this on a daily basis? How right. do I track this hour? Who's going to pay this certain amount? Where is that money going to come from to pay, right? Because if I'm a business... It, you know, the money coming in is not necessarily just the money going out, right? Everything has the delays. So there isn't a common platform to manage all that, to pay someone on a daily basis. Then it's also expenses, right? If I have expenses to manage on a day-to-day -day basis, and if I actually pay you know, employees on a day-to-day -day basis, how do I manage my expenses, right? So it's a combination of all those things. Today, you know, businesses are competing with whole, the whole, you know, gig workforce, right? Instant gratification. But mm -hmm. how do I make that happen? Mm -hmm. They can't unless you have a solution like ours that'll front the funds. But when do we get paid back from businesses? when payroll is processed, right. once again, in two weeks. So it's a combination of all these things okay. that has created that process. And how does PayActive make money? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a, so uh, the, the benefit is of zero cost to the employer, although a lot of businesses now front the fee for their employees. They don't want their employees paying the fee. Okay. Um, a, we do have a, a fee model for the employees. We have a zero cost model where it will cost an employee nothing. And outside of that, we have a membership model for the employees where they pay a dollar on the day they access the funds. Okay. And we even capped that for okay. an employee that they will never pay us more than five bucks in a payroll period. Okay. So going back to caring and being fair and yeah. using technology for good. Yeah. So where do you see, or where does the industry sort of envision uh, earn wage access going? I mean, I mean, based on the survey, 
why isn't every employer adopting the model and or pay active or I'm sure there are, you have competitors, but why, why isn't this sort of universal now? Well, you know, uh, the pandemic, you know, I, I keep saying I don't want to talk about the pandemic anymore because it's just, I just wanted to become old. It's just becoming exhausting, right? right? right. Every conversation right. is about the pandemic. But the pandemic has taught us and these numbers are being thrown there all the time so that people and businesses recognize this. Roughly 1.2 billion people, nearly a third of the global workforce, Chris, are freelancers, okay? Now in the US itself, approximately 60 million or 36% of the workforce consider themselves as freelancers, mm. right? Now, and then there's this whole thought around the gig economy. What do they want? They want instant gratification, okay? So you have to compete in that economy. You cannot have them waiting for two weeks. No. You don't want to lose one of your people to go work for Uber or another organization that's offering access to, you know, wages anytime you want. So that flexibility is needed by the hourly workforce and businesses are stepping up to make that change. So we are actually seeing that change. Um, and I thank the pandemic for that. Mm -hmm. Is there a minimum size of company that you can support? So going back to who we serve, right, and our purpose. Our purpose is that labor force making under $20 an hour. Chris, we serve them. So bring me a business that has one employee. Bring me a business that has 100, 100 uh, uh, a million employees. I will serve them, right? So no, we will serve all businesses. Among businesses, we'll see more, you know, businesses maybe in the retail sector, logistics sector, healthcare, senior living. So definitely some industries are highlighted over others, but we will serve all businesses. Good for you. Yes. Talk to me about, um, about pay active beyond the earn wage access capability and its purpose of supporting the lower income workforce, how else you as an executive team have approached culture and values and, you know, how do you sort of extend on the mission of the company in terms of day-to-day, -day, you know, what it's like to work there, the kind of people you bring into the company, um, you know, how do you, how do you run the business in a way that is aligned with your mission? Sure. Uh, great question, because who we serve, our purpose all starts from within, right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, some people here laugh at me when I tell them that uh, whenever there's a, a new employee at the organization in the interview, I always ask them, uh, do you feel comfortable hanging out with an hourly worker, right? And the person just looks at me like, what's wrong with her? What is she talking about? Mm -hmm. Does she understand what she's asking? And I said, no, this is a legit question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, you, do you understand who we are trying to serve? We are serving the hourly worker. So, uh, so it, if you don't understand the pain of the hourly uh, worker, if you don't understand the purpose of us serving the hourly worker and the difference that we are trying to make, mm -hmm. you will not survive at Piatto, 
right? And I would so, layer into that. I would layer into that respect for the hourly worker. You know, I think, I think, I think our stance as a society is is not respect. I'm not sure it's disrespect, but I actually think we treat the hourly worker as an anonymous function, not as a human. You know, we don't seek to find to say hello to the Amazon delivery person. We 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 view it as an extension of the technology, and it's really alarming, like mm-hmm. really alarming. Mm-hmm. And that's why I use the word people, right? right. Let's not put them in the 44%. Let's not put them in the 63 million. Let's not put them in the 250 billion paying those fees, right? Uh, Let's not use words like them, you know, those people, right? It's people, it's your people. It's our people that are serving us every day, right? Mm -hmm. Let's make a measurable impact in their life. And that will take care of many other issues. Like maybe there is a way to get you know, get away from taking a payday loan, right? Uh, listen, if pay, payday loans did not exist, good Lord, what would have happened mm-hmm. to people who needed $100 to just get by? Just $100, Chris. Mm-hmm. You can change their life by giving them $100 between pay periods, which is really mm-hmm. the average access mm-hmm. through pay after, right? So, uh, so being able to use our technology to build a platform that is not just for survival, but the culture over here is, yes, let's help them survive, get through that livelihood Mm -hmm. stage, and then let's help them sustain to get to that level where they are happy, there's Mm -hmm. dignity, they can start saving, Mm -hmm. right? Because frankly speaking, if I'm spending $35 every payroll period in an overdraft fee, I just missed an opportunity to save that $35 because I was a second late or a penny short, right? right? So that has really become the culture of pay active, right? Now what we are doing with earned wage access is it's a given, we wanna do that, but we are helping understanding the the mindset of the hourly worker and building that sustainable stage of the platform, which mm-hmm. is really described as live, grow, connect in our platform. But it's really for the longevity of the worker. Now, businesses also love that. And businesses are caring. You know, uh, we've always been worried about human resources, right? In human resources ask me to come and meet them in their office with my ID or my laptop, I'm always worried, right? So there's always this negative connotation with human resources, but we realize that human resources is actually the source of betterment for the hourly worker. Mm-hmm. So they work with us very closely to say that we'll give them EWA, but let's give them more, right? Let's give them discounts on their basic needs. So today a user can get a discount on gas, their main need to get to work on Mm -hmm. our platform. If we give them discounts, like Mm -hmm. prescription discounts, gas discounts, even movie theater discounts, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Get those discounts. Don't treat it as a discount. Treat it as savings. Save Mm -hmm. your money and use it for your basic needs. And do you, does the platform or, or, or is, yeah, does the platform provide um, kind of planning 
planning, education. And, and, and I bring up years ago, not that long ago, three years ago, I was before COVID, I was giving talks all over the world. And part of what I would talk about is, is the dynamic between the progress of technology and the, and the importance of making sure that it's being managed and delivered through the lens of human understanding. And one example I would use is financial inclusion. And I was talk about like, you know, it's really wonderful that the financial system and banks specifically are focused on trying to increase uh, financial inclusion. The asterisk is financial inclusion needs to come with an effort around financial literacy. And my terrible example was the subprime mortgage situation back in 2000, whatever, eight or seven or whatever it was. Um, and giving credit to people that didn't necessarily understand what it meant. And, and so, so I guess my question, my question to you is, are you, are, is, is financial literacy, planning capacity, budgeting, savings, is that part of what you're sort of, if not you're doing where you're, where you're, you're headed, headed with some of this? We are doing it right now. We have goal-based savings um, built into our platform that our users are using. We have financial counseling, we have financial literacy, but there is a reason we have that, right? Uh, going back to your comment about, you know, uh, giving uh, credit to citizens who didn't necessarily need to have these subprime loans, right? Uh, let me ask you a question, Chris. Let's say you are starving, okay? You need a meal. What do you prefer? Do you prefer I give you a meal or do you prefer or will you react more positively if I give you a book on nutrition, <laughs> right? right? You just want your food, correct? Right. You just want your food. Right. So going back to the culture of preactive, right? People that you bump into on a daily basis, come on, 63 million Americans are just bad people. They don't know how to save. No, that is not what's going on here, right? right? That's not so, the core issue. Right? Exactly. Right. So we believe our culture is that let's solve their day-to-day -day livelihood needs first. Once you take care of the livelihood needs, you're just a happier person. Right? You're proud right. to pay your bills, to take care of your family. And because of the pandemic, your extended family that might have lost their job, right? So after the livelihood needs are met, hey, they have access to financial counseling, financial literacy. Now I can go into the goal-based savings and save for a vacation. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, save for an emergency, save for back to school, things like that. So once again, goes back to the platform that has been built first for survival, get through your business. Mm -hmm. As long as you've earned it and you need it, go ahead, access it, take care of your business. After that comes the sustainability part of the right. platform. We will let you sustain for a longer period. And that's why businesses won. Financial wellness as a whole. Wellness, financial right. wellness is not just EWA. It has to be more. We really want to see a long-term impact on the bottom line of your business. It's, it's a wonderful mission that you're 
delivering on really effectively. Is there a is there an industry emerging around EWA? I mean, are, do you have counterparts that are collaborators, or are you are you or is it is is it not not there yet? I mean, yes. I mean, today uh, there are more than twenty players in the EWA space. Okay. And um, I think last year, there were over 7,000 transactions per hour every day, over 10 billion worth of transactions that occurred. So, uh, you know, it's a big industry right now. But as I say, what you do is important, Chris, but how you do it is even more important, which goes back to how we started, right? conscious, right? Purpose for the good to add value, that trifecta impact. So that is what we are focusing on, not just providing it, but how we're going to provide it Mm -hmm. to the people in a fair way. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and it's global, presumably like that. Are you guys global? Are you moving global? Yes, we are in countries outside of the U.S., but primarily the businesses in the U.S. right now. Okay, okay. So I, I want to, con- mindful of the time, I, I want to ask the, my, it's a call to action question, which is for the listeners, what can they do? Um, some, no doubt, are leaders of organizations. Some are employed by organizations that uh, potentially have lower, lower, um, lower income income. Uh, um, people um, or some are just are just everyday citizens you know that care about about making our world more equitable what would you recommend for for any of the above in terms of an action that they could uh, undertake we we would love to grow our partner base please join us in our mission help us uh, meet our goals and purpose And um, it's not about pay active. It's about what we are trying to do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, our our CEO and founder, he wrote a book, It's About Time. And we actually have a film, a documentary, It's About Time, thefilm.com. So you can actually go to that website and learn uh, everything about what we are trying to do, who we are trying to serve and how we are doing it and the industry as a whole. So I would encourage people to either grab the book on Amazon or just go uh, to the website. It's about time, the film.com. Okay, that's great. And I I would like to add, if I may, a call to action uh, around this idea of removing the anonymity from the equation, which is to say that as we interact with each frontline hourly employees, people, we appreciate them and we acknowledge them and we say hello to them. And may I be so radical as to suggest we, when appropriate, introduce ourselves, <laughs> you know, like, and, and I've tried it, not that I'm, I'm, I'm a saint, but I, I'm trying on a regular basis to, to de-anonymize my daily life and particularly to connect with people in these roles, whether they're an Uber driver, an Amazon delivery person, a a Starbucks employee, it doesn't matter, but to show a level of of not just appreciation, but humanization of the interaction. So they feel, they feel valued, which they, they are critical. I mean, I think you started out talking about how critical 
these, would you say 44% of the workforce? Yes, 44% is, is, of is the American it, workforce. Yes. Is making yeah, the front lines. Front yeah, the line front making $20 or less, you know, really struggling to make ends meet. And I think the rest of us owe them uh, respect and appreciation and an acknowledgement of them as people, not simply as functions. So um, that's my that's my ask of everybody. Sabina, thank you so much for for being on the show and for doing the work that you're doing and to your counterparts at, at Pay Active for 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 taking a critical role in our society, which you know others are not. And my hope is the the corporations out there are all looking at EWA as as a critical capacity to build into their um, to their equation. Uh, so thank you. It's wonderful to talk to you. Chris, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening today. Wherever you are as a leader on your transformation journey, you'll find more helpful resources at chriscolbert.com. From more podcast episodes and my film talks from around the globe to my blog and books. And if you're a CEO or leader interested in getting my advice, you can reach me there too. Just head over to chriscolbert.com. Thanks for listening.